The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 22. I'm one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host with the most from the Big Horror and Little Podcast, Mr. Andy Blockley. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Got nine movies to go. I know, I know. It's it's getting emotional. Yeah. I, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. Come on, don't do this, Duncan. Hold it together. I'll try my best, Andy. Um, yeah, uh, this this show has been recorded November first, so we are we are removed from Halloween by by only a few hours, and I'm yeah. sad to see it go. I had a I had a pretty bitching time. Did you have a good October and Halloween, Andy? Yeah, Halloween was pretty good actually. Watched some good films. Busted out the uh, Hellraiser box set. Oh, it's sexy, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, we should probably just have a, a quick talk about that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of listeners that have got this, and probably a lot that haven't because it's region B. Yeah. Um. So unless you're on a multi-region player, which isn't as easy to do these days, like with DVDs, you can just pop a little code in your remote control, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden your DVD player is region free. But it doesn't kind of work like that, does it? With Blu-rays. No, 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 no. So and it's, the, it's the hardware change, which is not as easy to do. Unless you actually buy... Like, I, I've got an American Blu-ray player, so I, Ming's not, we'll only play American Blu-rays as well yeah. as, obviously, my UK one. So yeah, that's so how you, I watch them like that so way. But you kind of need two then, don't you, really? That's one. it. You yeah. can buy a universal Blu-ray player, but the price of them is ridiculous. Well, I don't know... The rest about three hundred, about yeah. three hundred quid for one now, and in the UK, which is still quite pricey. I mean, the, yeah. if anything, the tech and the medium, even Blu-rays are coming down to what DVDs were in price range after a couple of years. You know what I mean? When DVDs first came out, they were like twenty pound, and now you can, you, like, towards the end before Blu-ray really started kicking off, you could go in and 
like to a sale in a shop somewhere and get like fucking five five DVDs for like twenty pound or whatever. Yeah. Um, Blu-rays are starting to go the same way, but it's funny that the tech hasn't quite matched no. that drop yet either. And it's you you've got to wonder if it's maybe the last it's a last ditch resort by you know studios and uh, and companies to try and make sure that you you buy to your region. You know what I mean? You 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 pay for what's there and you don't start like shopping elsewhere you because know, obviously if a if, if a a distributor puts a movie out in the states that doesn't necessarily mean the same distributor puts it out in the uk no um so you know if you're buying from the uk you're technically giving your money away to someone else so i wonder how much pressure from these companies are still out there to try and keep people locked to the region um for, Do you know for- what there's a um there's a company right that sell blu-rays on amazon Mm-hmm. And they sell copies, but they're so good you'd never know they're copies. Really? The only reason I know they're copies is because their Region A locked discs work on my Region Two, Region B locked player. Ah, right. And that's the only way I figured it out. I've also bought a couple of DVDs from them, mm-hmm. which are supposed to be Region One American DVDs, and they play in Rachel's laptop, which is not multi-region. Right same company i don't know how they get away with it but you'd never know it's a copy basically like the disc is printed perfectly the artwork is perfect it's on gloss paper and everything the the cake like you you, it's it's factory sealed you would never know yeah um you even get the um anti-piracy messages at the beginning which are normally removed aren't they when you do a copy they're normally not included yeah. Um, so I don't know how they're managing it, but it just means that I can now buy uh, like Screen Factory stuff. Oh, fantastic! From them, um, they don't sell every kind of copy of Screen Factory stuff, but like the Halloween Three Season of the Witch, they've got the Halloween Two Anniversary Edition. They've got you. Um, you're going to end up paying about fourteen, fifteen quid for it. Yeah, yeah. But that's all right because I, I, you know, I really want that. So yeah, it's weird. I've just kind of happened to come across these people, and just by pure chance, have kind of worked out that hang on a minute. You're selling copies. Yeah. Um, but it does mean, yeah, I can finally get my hands on some of the stuff that I've not been able to, to get hold of, which is pretty cool. That's awesome, man. That, yeah. I mean, not awesome that there's a company that they're doing piracy. You but know. the thing is, though, the way I see it, if the copy's absolutely perfect and it's identical to the original one, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you're the consumer. Yeah. Uh, your principal modus operandi is to watch the movie. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, the the obstacles that are put in place to stop you watching the movie are these region locks. That's that's what's been put in place to stop that. Um, and obviously, you if there's a way to circumnavigate that, then until they change things and remove region locking altogether, which is the I, I believe will be the last ditch attempt to try and save physical media. Yeah, they'll just remove region locking altogether. Um, yeah. until they actually do that. I mean, it's it's your right as a consumer to try and get what you can get your hands on. Um, I think it's it's interesting as well because I've got a kind of love-hate relationship with Scream Factory. Um, I I know I'm in the UK and I'm an Arrow fanboy. Everyone will fucking say that. that, In fact, you are as well, Andy. That's pretty much... I I fucking love Arrow. I love Arrow. Yeah, I I love Arrow. But the, the reason I love Arrow is I think Arrow give you more bang for your buck. Um, than Scream Factory do. And that's yeah. not to say that Scream Factory haven't put out some incredible titles. They really have. But I think I think to myself that the Nightbreed director's cut 
right? The the, yeah. the 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 fancy Nightbreed version that came out the limited edition one that I bought from Screen Factory cost me without postage cost me fifty pounds. Fuck. Yeah. Right. And that's for two copies of the same movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. We paid. Well, through a technicality, we only paid thirty pound for for Hellraiser, um, but Hellraiser came out that a box set came out for fifty pound retail yeah. price fifty pound limited edition as well. You get three fucking movies in that. You mm. get a poster. You get limited edition postcards. You get a full disc dedicated to the early works of Clive Barker, interviews, reviews. You know, like all this shit's on there as well. The Leviathan documentaries for both movies are included, which is fucking mental. I didn't know that was going to be on there. Right. And there's also a 200-page hardback book Exactly, exactly. So all that's in there for the same price. Now, you know, and it kind of puts me in the position where I'm like that. I, I hear a lot of American people saying that, you know, Arrow stuff is quite expensive in the States. And it really, to an extent it is, sometimes Mm. I look at things and I'm like, it's insane that they're charging, like, what would be an additional £5 to to put out in the States. But then I think that in the UK, Arrow, like, when it comes to delivery costs or or, or whatnot, the UK's tiny. You know what I mean? America's huge. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's factored in as well. I I don't know, but I I look at some of the recent stuff. This year's been incredible for Arrow, like absolutely incredible. Necromantic box set, the Long Kiss Goodnight um, box set, Hellraiser box set, Videodrome, bo- as well. Videodrome, Black Cat. You know, yeah. um, like some really really cool collector stuff. And before the years society out, society as well. Is a good society, one. yeah. Before the years out, um, that Yakuza one that I've ordered, which I've I've heard the movies aren't great, but I ordered it anyway. Uh, yeah. The Yakuza box set and Necromantic too. So I mean, they're. Uh, Deep Red as well. Deep Red's getting this fucking... Rid- oh, the 4K thing, yeah. Yeah, ridiculous content for, for £16, which is mental. Um, so, and then I look at what Scream Factory puts out, and they're charging about the same. Mm. And you don't get the same. You don't get booklets. You don't get um, the same amount of special content. What they do have is more of... And it's because it's an American company... Uh, dealing with a lot more American media, they do have titles that we grew up with through the VHS era. You know, things like Halloween 3, Halloween 2, which haven't been treated in the same collector sort of way in the UK. Yeah. And that's that's where the, that's where they will always have my attention and always have my money. But, you know what I mean? It's, they're, they're, they're putting out a lot of Wes Craven stuff at the moment. They've just put out uh, Shocker, People Under the Stairs, you know, mm-hmm. these are movies that I grew up watching. So, I mean, they've kind of got that side covered. And yeah, maybe Arrow at times puts out some more obscure Italian stuff or European stuff, but the quality of what they put out is pretty much the best you're going to get. No one, like we said off here, no one's ever going to touch that Hellraiser box set. No, I mean, it's, it, it's a complete labour of love. For anyone that's got it, you'll know what we're talking about. But for anyone that hasn't got it, it's basically like, it's quite a hefty size sort of box, isn't yeah. it? It kind of pulls apart, and it's got like a little kind of sort of square. Like, what's the shape? It's not a. It's like a square, but on its end, sort of thing. What would you call that? Um, yeah, that one, rhombus. rhombus. Like a little rhomboid-shaped kind of window that kind mm-hmm. of gives you a sneak peek of what's in the box, and then everything is set out like little books. 
So like Hellraiser one is in its own little fold out book, and it's got like a picture of her, like a close up of Pinhead's like forehead. Oh, the art rock is incredible. The fucking, fucking artwork's crazy, amazing. And then like Hellbound is like a real close up of the Chatterer's teeth. That's got its own little book. And then there's like a second. They're all basically little fold out books. And then there's like a collector's artwork thing. It's got like five postcards with like the Doctor and all the Cenobites and stuff. And these like almost like matte painting kind of really nice fucking artwork i think it's the same person that must do the comics do you reckon i think it must be must be there's the, the to me this isn't just someone that's just started doing you know how sometimes they just commission an artist like graham humphreys gets commissioned to yeah. and i've spoken to graham interviewed him before and graham about that some of these movies i've never seen before yeah you know what i mean i've got stills from the movie and i try and work from the stills um whoever did this one has clearly spent you know, years doing Pinhead and all mm. that stuff because it's just fucking the attention to detail is it's just astonishing and it is it is really out of out of my entire Blu-ray collection it's probably my most prized possession now. Yeah, um, I mean, we were saying like me and Duncan basically Amazon did this thing where they got voted earlier in the year re- number one UK retailer of the year. Yeah, which kind of makes me laugh because they don't pay any tax in the UK. <laughs> tax evading bastards like where to the point where like the people that clean the toilets in their warehouse will be paying a higher income tax rate than the company yeah so they're cunts but as as a result of that they basically said if you spend 50 quid today we'll give you a tenner off so immediately i thought the hellraiser box set's 50 quid yep so me and you both like straight on there ordered it so we got it for a 40 quid Mm -hmm. which was fucking great like 40 pound well happy with that what happened is they sold out, didn't they, before this even got released? Yeah, yeah. Both and Arrow think, and Amazon sold out. Yeah, and, and then I think in a huff, some people realised they weren't going to get it as quick as they thought and cancelled their order, which makes no sense to me, but that's the only thing that I can think must have happened, which then meant the ones that had been cancelled then reappeared on Amazon for sale. But for some reason, like you were telling me, they've obviously fucked up here and they've put it back for sale at £40. Yeah. Whatever no, I think, whatever the person had paid for it is what they put it back on for sale. So okay. that's including the ten pound discount that you yeah, got for spending yeah, fifty. Yeah, that must be what it is. So, so it went up for forty pound, and that they didn't last long. So then Amazon do this thing where whatever price you order the thing at, if the price then comes down in the meantime between you ordering it and you receiving it, mm-hmm. you get the lower price. Mm-hmm. So because it's on there at forty pounds, all of a sudden, and mine hasn't been shipped yet. All of a sudden, everyone—I think like everyone's across the board—dropped to forty pounds, didn't they? Yeah, I think I think that's what's happened. I think everyone's paid forty pounds. I think it's all just like everyone should have an email saying you've only paid forty pounds, but because we ordered it on that one special day, Andy, Mm. um, they have then somehow in their non-infinite wisdom, tax tax dodging bastards. managed to then say oh by the way we haven't taken into account the fact you got 10 pound off it as well here it is for 30 so (laughs) So me and duncan got this set for 30 pounds they refunded 10 pound um which is just ah now i wasn't sure when i saw the price tag of 50 quid on this i I ordered it to be honest it it wasn't i didn't order it until i got this 10 pound off because i thought uh 50 seems a bit much i'm happy paying 40 so i ordered it at 40 but now i've received it and I've opened it, and I've had a good look at the content, and I've watched one of the discs and seen how many special features there are on just the first disc alone. Mm-hmm. If I had paid sixty quid for this, I wouldn't have been disappointed. Oh no, no, definitely not. Def- I think it, 
is, I've said it several times, to me this is Arrow Video's biggest release to date. This is a celebration. This, I mean, this rivals, like, this time last year they were putting the finishing touches to the Six Gothic Tales of Vincent Price box set, which oh, is yeah. beautiful. It's a, a great box set. Um, and they'd put out the, the Fibes box set, and, you know, they, they, they'd put a lot of time and effort in the, like, and these were these were better known titles. Hellraiser is is an icon of eighties cinema. You know, what I mean, it is it is up there. It is one of those movies which, like it or loathe it, and I know people that aren't overly as fussed as I am on the movie. Um, Hellraiser is is an icon. It is the it, it created just like Friday the Thirteenth um, franchise, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, Texas. It creates an iconic character that. People know if you say the words Pinhead, they know who Pinhead is. They know if they see the cover, they know it's Hellraiser. You know what I mean? It's, it's an icon of pop culture mm. that was spawned out of that. So that is a huge deal. The fact that they went from originally announcing one movie to doing the first three as part of a box set, the the detail that they've put into it, the amount of work and effort, and it, it did get delayed slightly by a couple of days, um, and I saw people bitching and moaning about oh, it online. I'm like, you'd, you'd literally think the world had fucking ended for I'm, some people. I'm like, this is the biggest thing they've ever done right. You know, ever done. They want to do it right, and they've done it. They've nailed it. It's perfect. It's, it's an absolute perfect collector's box set. And I know they're going to put all three movies out individually um, afterwards, and you know, like minus a lot of the additional content you get in the limited edition thing but they really have they really have and i mean the, the reason we, we sometimes spend so much time talking about arrow on this show is arrow put out a lot of movies that were on the nasties list mm. they've put out quite a few already this year saw a blu-ray version of island of death which is yeah. a movie that both me and andy thought was awful but <laughs> I've, I've got the blu-ray <laughs> you yeah. know what I, mean? I went away and bought it um because they they have they have a a direct line straight to my wallet um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's an incredible incredible thing and I, they promised it, that it would be in in the UK in people's hands for Halloween and I think they managed to do it I think everyone got their, their copy I didn't order it from Arrow and I'm a, even though I got it cheaper and I would never change that for the world if you did order it from Arrow you got something a wee bit extra you got a postcard uh, with Pinhead on it from Arrow saying uh, sorry for the delay uh, uh, delivery's been hell yeah and you also got a badge you got a pin uh, as well for, for for yourself and that sounds great it's not worth £20 though Andy so no, it's not worth twenty. It's a nice little touch. I mean, someone obviously thought, "Shit, these aren't coming out on time." I yeah. tell you what, it'll only cost us probably a couple hundred quid to knock out a load of these postcards, and it is a nice little touch because I've seen one and it is yeah. pretty cool. Attention to detail—that's what I mean. You don't get that from other companies, and that I think that's what makes them. That's what makes them cool. So shop, shop at Amazon, uh, and um, give them some money. But remember, shop at Arrow. And every time you buy something from Arrow, you accumulate points. I've got yeah. so many free things this year. Um, and Arrow probably pay tax. Amazon don't. I would. I would hope they pay. I would some hope tax. Pay some tax. I mean, I but, don't mind people avoiding tax because if you're paying any more tax than you need to, then you're basically making a free donation to the government, aren't you? Yeah. So I'm all for paying. You know, I'm all for not paying tax wherever you can. But when a company that big 
are making literally billions. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the the kind of money that they're avoiding by paying tax is could pay for ho- entire hospitals and entire nursing staffs in hospitals. You know, yeah. it's that kind of evasion, isn't it? Which is a bit fucking slack. And as, yeah, but as as the price of doom, you want to do business in the UK. You want to obviously you as as Amazon's huge in the UK. Mm. Um, the reason it got retailer of the year says that. Yeah. Um, so it's huge in the UK. I, I, you know, if you if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna employ people and all the rest, you're gonna make billions off the country. Put some back. Exactly. All, all, we're, say, all we're saying, just put some back. Yeah, just put it back. Just pay. Just pay what you're supposed to pay because, like, the, the country. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole thing about austerity and all that bullshit, but. Yeah. You know, it's, it's it's literally millions of pounds that are being you know shortfall by the by Amazon, and it is fucking out of order. But you know, we keep we keep spending there, don't we? That's yeah, they've got the they'll always have. I mean, I've got Prime, so I mean, I'm yeah. I'm a subscribed person to a service. I have a I have a iPhone, and Apple don't pay any tax in this country. Um, I get coffee from from Starbucks. Neither do they. <laughs> yeah, and and Starbucks don't pay any. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, we we are unfortunately in a position where corporations kind of have you over the barrel. Yeah, but that, the thing is, the government are allowing it, aren't they? The government yeah. let, are letting corporations because they're getting backhanders. Yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah, like um, it pays for pays for um, you know uh, campaign trails and all the rest. All these companies funding money and so, um, which is a huge aside. To what we're talking about today. However, I would argue that this might be the most interesting part of the show. Um, it will be, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tonight we have another three movies for your listening pleasure. We're going to be discussing Revenge of the Boogeyman from 1983, a.k.a. The Boogeyman. Um, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be discussing The Slayer. Slayer <laughs> from 1982, rain, blood, and all that shit. Um, and then we're going to be talking about Terrorize, aka Night School from 1981, which will bring us to the end of the show. Andy, is there anything else you want to say before we take a very short break? And I believe it's you that's coming back with Revenge of the Boogeyman. Ah, you're leading tonight. Am I again? Oh no! Yeah, because I led last week, didn't I? Oh no! Great, <laughs> <Afraid> so. <laughs> Oh, so much fun. So much fun to talk about this movie. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to say before we take a short break? Uh, no, let's do it. Let's do it, right. Um, Johnny Krug's promo is going to play just now. After that, you are going to hear some educated folks talking about Revenge of the Boogeyman. When we return, we will discuss that movie as well, right after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. This film is very much something that uses the first film in order to extend it and pad it out, so one can only imagine it didn't cost very much. However, this is a kind of example of a lovely self-referential post-structural, if you like, film in that 
It is a film that uses its former film as part of its footage, but it is also a film about making a film. And so there are some quite interesting examples of a film being aware of its own conditions of possibility and of the structure of its own creation. And that's... um, that comes about very well because Lomel manages to integrate the supernatural with the actual supernatural nature of making a film itself. Remember the original bogeyman? Well, he's back, more terrifying than ever, in revenge of the bogeyman. A spirit of evil captured forever in the glass of a mirror. And welcome back. So up first, Revenge of the Boogeyman from 1983, directed by Bruce Pearn, uh, a.k.a. Bruce Starr, um, and uh, Lumi Lommel, um, the guy who did the first movie, is uncredited according to IMDb, but does star in the movie, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, the synopsis for this one, as listed on IMDb, is Lacey travels to Hollywood, to the home of a film director, where she brings along the last surviving haunted mirror shard from the end of the first movie as proof to her horrifying experiences. Now, we will get the elephant out the room right at the start here. Um, This is one of those sequels that comes along where they try and give you a bit of a recap to what happened in the previous movie. Where this movie differs slightly from other movies is the amount of screen time uh, we get of the previous movie, which is quite a lot. 50%. <laughs> it's a lot of this movie is things you've already seen in the previous yeah. movie. And this movie isn't even an hour and a half long. Insane. Um, it's literally 50, half of it, like the first half of the film. I mean, I'm up for I like a recap, but I don't think you get that enough anymore. Like, I used to love in the Friday the 13th films yeah. that they'd recap the previous movie. I used to love that. But this is taking the piss. <laughs> The thing is, the thing is, it's an unfortunate juxtaposition in this movie that when they play the stuff from the first movie, you get kind of nostalgic. I didn't. I quite liked Boogeyman. I think you were the same. But I don't think it wasn't we, terrible. Yeah, yeah. We didn't. We didn't hate it. Um, we didn't love it. But there was a couple of things we thought that was quite interesting. That wasn't all that bad, and all the rest. When they juxtapose the stuff that actually worked in the previous movie with the nonsense in this sequel, absolutely horrendous deaths I mean just I thought that I mean this movie is up there with Final Destination 4 um, in terms of the most protracted way to die Um, Andy Andy out of the three or four ridiculous deaths in this movie what one is your favourite and why oh god so many (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think just for just for sheer absolute fucking ridiculousness the shaving foam death because <laughs> if i was being suffocated by shaving foam i'd just wipe it away yeah yeah <laughs> i wouldn't go <laughs> like no just wipe it off oh, my... Fucking mental should we tell what's your favorite have you got a different as, as, yeah my favorite is death by exhaust pipe via the ironing board yeah. Ladders. Is it ladders or an ironing board? I thought it was ladders. It is. It's ladders. No, it's ladders, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Basically, when you fall off a set of ladders in a way which doesn't make any sense, and then, and then somehow manage, Andy, 
through no fault of your own, somehow manage to then be stuck in a position where you're inhaling nothing but exhaust fumes. <laughs> it's I, insane. How does someone write that? But how well, can anyone think about Lada it? levitates as well and smacks her on the bum. Yeah, but which then sends her flying onto the the exhaust pipe or tailpipe of a car. How, like how, some invisible force then starts the engine, so she's just basically forced to suck on exhaust fumes until she dies. I don't know why she can't just take remove herself from it. You know, it's, uh, who who sat down and said. You know what would be a really interesting way to die? You know, death by, you know, suffocation to due to exhaust fumes, which is a terrifying thing. People do it. People have been known to commit suicide that way. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, right. So how do we set this up? Does she get locked into a garage? <clears throat> does the demon switch the, the vehicle on? Or, you know, is that what we do? No. What film does that happen in? Is it the car, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But, but it's, yeah, it's, it's happened in quite a few films, actually. It's one of those way, ways where you can set up a death to look like it's, um, suicide, yeah, because you know, yeah. it's a because basically the, the carbon monoxide that comes out the car eventually kills you. But um, I just love this idea of that's the in principle what they want to do, which is a terrifying death. But the method that they use to it is some sort of supernatural force moving a set of ladders, really, and then someone being like stuck with their mouth to the exhaust and not being able to remove their head, with no reason why they can't do that. Mm. It's not as if they're knocked out, or, you know, just, it makes no fucking, you know, and I know we're trying to say, it makes no sense, and it's a movie, it's the Revenge of the Boogeyman, for fuck's sake. But, the first movie had, there were some ridiculous kills, but the, that's what I mean, when you show them, and the flashback sequences, and then you compare it to death by shaving foam, and death by fucking exhaust, you're like that, what has happened here? Am I and it's let's not, not even let's well not executed. Let's get choked to death by an electric toothbrush. That's amazing. That is amazing. And strangled by kitchen tongs. <laughs> would you, let me put it this way, if you were in this movie, would you want to go anywhere near the bathroom? No, not no, really. It's a very not, dangerous place to be. To it's be. a very dangerous place to be, statistically speaking, and in this movie. Um, it was a pretty dangerous place to be in the uh, in the original, though, to be fair. Like, that girl's in the shower. That's when, right. When she gets stabbed in the neck by scissors, but not before the scissors have cut her top open so you can see her boobs. So we've got a pervert ghost as well. <laughs> so he's like, going to get me some titties. And yeah. I'm going to see some titties before I stab her in the neck. <laughs> the kitchen tongs one's mental, because I think out of, any, out of any implement that you could strangle somebody with, you couldn't strangle someone with it. Yeah, like it's the kitchen tongs that you use on a barbecue and it's like, you know, to flip a steak over with sort of thing. Yep. You'd never get the leverage on that. No. They're, it's just, they're so like thin and pathetic. You, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Plus the, the metal themselves, it would bend when you tried to do that. It just doesn't not make any sense. But, I mean, right, we're talking about ridiculous kills. It's an 80s movie. You're used to this sort of thing. The one thing that this movie kind of has working for it is I quite like the idea that it's, it's a meta horror movie. Mm, it that, predates the whole Scream thing, doesn't it? The whole predates Scream, stuff. predates uh, A New Nightmare. Yeah. Which works on this premise of... I mean, Umi Lomo plays himself in the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, we are in New Nightmare terms. Well, he doesn't play himself. He plays like a film director. But um, he is playing... As a director, playing a director, if you know what I mean. So, I mean... Um, it, you know, it's a quite interesting concept. It's just terribly executed. The acting is awful in this movie. Like, actually, yeah. 
actually awful in this movie. Yeah. The script is terrible. I, I'm, you can't, you can't see. It, w- it would be a different case if I could say the acting is awful because the dialogue was really interesting and they couldn't deliver it. The dialogue is fucking awful as well. Yeah. The deaths are not good. Um, and all I all I got out of this movie is that I would probably watch Boogeyman again, but I probably will never. Well, I'd say probably I will never watch this movie again. Well, technically, if you want to watch Boogeyman again, you can <laughs> watch this one. <laughs> It's got all the best bits. <laughs> and then switch it off. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a director's cut of this as well. Oh, fuck off. Is there? Yeah, that's got about 85% of the original movie in it. What the f- Just fucking show the movie. Just play the movie again. Just like, release it under a different... I don't get it. I don't get it. So literally, you end up with about 15 minutes of new footage in the director's cut. And <laughs> the rest of it is the first one. So that's, bizarre. That's just... It just really, we knew it was coming, and we'd heard the rumours. We knew that there was there was footage, and I have heard different versions of people talk about how much footage was actually used in the movie, um, until I actually watched it, and I was like, I'm just getting like wicked deja vu right now, yeah, um, just horribly, horribly wicked deja vu, um, yeah, it's it's not it's not a good movie. It's it's not. It, unfortunately, it does not live up to the. The the great the great name of Boogeyman, um, I I use that sarcastically. Um, yeah. yeah, anything you want to say about this, Andy? No, I mean you know the only reason this is on the list is because the first one's on the list. Yeah, and the whatever footage they didn't like in the first one is in this one. It's not, <laughs> Again, it's none of the footage from the from this you know from this movie. The only footage that is worthy of being on the list or even considered to be on the list is the footage from the first one because, you know, obviously by default that was on the list. So this one's got to be on there too. Yeah. It's not the, it's not any of the footage from this movie, is it? No, I don't think so. I, I can't see any of the deaths. It can't be. It's no. got to be the footage shown in the flashbacks, which is the first one. So it's, it's a weird thing to even consider this you know you can't really even call this part of the list because it isn't it's just the footage that happens to be in it from a different movie that was on the you know that was also on this so it's a bit of a fucking weird one yeah really 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 strange um i don't have anything else to say about this movie um in terms of grading for me uh i can't even remember what we gave the first one Um, yeah, I don't know. We maybe give it a slap on the wrist, but this one's got to be case dismissed. I think so, yeah. So how fucking ridiculous the, the kills are. It's almost like they're comedy kills. Yeah. I can't, I can't give it any credit for using footage from a previous movie. You know, what yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm, I've already judged that movie. So yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's a case dismissed. Certainly didn't need to be on the main list, and uh, yeah, why it was even well, we know why it was on this list, but um, the fact that they couldn't prosecute it fucking says pretty much everything. Yeah, fucking mental. Ah, just a really weird experience. We knew it was coming. Did yeah. you like like before we jump off to the next movie? We knew this was coming, Andy. Did you think it would be as surreal as it was watching it? I thought they'd kind of keep show just flicking back and like replaying bits of the film, but it's more or less it just shows you like yeah. big blocks of the film. Like it's so fucking weird. It is strange, really, really, really strange. Is there, is there a third one? Yeah. Right, and I, I'm sure I'd heard a rumor somewhere that the third one has stuff from. Both. The first and second. What, yeah. what is left in that movie? About ten minutes. 
Honestly, the third one is meant to be about 25 minutes of the first one, about another 25 minutes of the second movie. Uh-huh. So that's got to be the original stuff, unless they literally show you stuff from the first one twice. Oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> imagine that, like a flashback within a flashback, and it's just I feel like Inception, it's the inception of horror movies. <laughs> yeah, and then leaves you with about 15 minutes of, of, of new footage for number three, like... I can't believe it. Like, if they did a fourth one, it wouldn't have any new footage, would it? It'd no. Just, it'd be just diluted down. <laughs> oh, fuck this movie. Right, uh, we're going to take a short break. Um, next up is The Slayer from 1982. Slayer! I love Slayer. Um, the band. That's the band. Yeah, um, the ba- you might like the band. I'm not sure about the movie, but we'll get on to that. <clears throat> we will get on to this. Uh, uh, Andy is going to be leading the charge on this movie. You're going to hear some promos for the Horophilia Podcasting Network. This show is exclusive on the Horophilia Podcasting Network, surrounded by incredible talent and a, a great diversity of shows, uh, mostly horror-based, but there's some in there that are out with the genre slightly. Um, so you're going to hear a promo for one of those shows some more learned folks talking about the Slayer when we return Andy is going to take um, the charge and tell us why he did or did not like this movie we'll find right out right after this there are many mysteries in this world and whether you believe or not believe we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal, and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. The Slayer is actually quite a good little stalk and slash movie. I was set on a remote island off the coast of Georgia where a bunch of friends go uh, for, a, for a weekend break. Um, and one of them, the star of the movie, is played by Sarah Kendall and she has recurring nightmares about a character called the Slayer who appears in her dreams. It's only a maddening, horrifying nightmare. Or is it? Well, uh, in this respect, the film can be seen as having parallels with Nightmare on Elm Street, and even Invasion of the Body Snatchers, because our heroine tries so hard to stay awake, because she knows that when she falls asleep, this character called the Slayer will appear and do horrible things to her friends, which she duly does. And if it's only a nightmare, why is everybody dead? There are some very good gore effects in this, which is probably why it was seized upon by the, by the DPP. One of the best is a fisherman gets bashed over the head and his scalp lands in a bait bucket and another sequence involves one of the best pitchfork murders we've seen um, where a girl gets stabbed in the back and it exits the, the prongs exit through her breasts. <laughs> Writer-director J.S. Cardoni um, has gone on in recent years to rather blot his copybook with tired remakes of the classic horror movies The Stepfather and Prom Night. But in all respects, The Slayer is a much slicker package than you'd expect from most films on the nasties list. What you're about to see may shock you. It may frighten you more than you've ever been frightened before. Don't worry. It's only a maddening, horrifying nightmare. Or is it? What are you going to do? Fire some flares. Did you give her the pills like I told you? (laughs) 
it's not a nightmare after all. There's nothing. Are they really alone? Or is there an unwelcome guest? Welcome back. So, movie number two is The Slayer. From Slayer! 1980, Slayer! From 1982. Um, this is a movie from the USA, but directed by J.S. Cardone. Okay, now let me just tell you, this is this is a product description here, sort of the, uh, the synopsis. In the early morning hours of a cold and gloomy day, two young couples awake and begin preparations for a long-awaited vacation. None of them anticipate the web of diabolical terror that awaits them on an isolated retreat they've chosen. Only Kay knows the existence of the Slayer! <laughs> and only then in the dark realms of her nightmares. But imagination is about to become reality as the maniacal, inanimate things which inhabit Kay's nightmares are unleashed upon the real world. Sounds fucking brilliant, that, doesn't it? That's not the movie I saw. Well, I saw... Let me just interrupt you. The movie I saw was about a cheerleader who all of a sudden realises that she has the power to defeat vampires and creatures from a hell portal. Um, with the help of her instructor, Giles... Uh, oh, no, that was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, oh, balls. Again, Fuck. sounds great. That would have been good. <laughs> right, no, um, we, we are going to have... It sounds like we're going to have slightly different opinions here. It's funny I, because right, before we started recording, I went, fucking hell, another three pretty shit films. And Duncan went, yeah, I like one of them. And I said, well, I did. I like one of them a lot more than the others. I reckon it's the same one. Yeah. You thought I was joking when I said night school. Yeah, I still think you're joking when you Not. said night school. I don't I really, understand this at all. <laughs> I really didn't like The Slayer. I just thought it was fucking boring. Like, it, it kind of predates Nightmare on Elm Street in a way that we've got like this kind of killer killing in, in somebody's dreams and then that kind of transfers over to reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's quite atmospheric, this. Um, I'd say that's probably the best thing that it's got going for. There is quite a good atmosphere throughout the movie. Um there's a couple of good kills. It's obviously practical effects because it's 82. Um, but it just kind of left me feeling a bit, eh. I mean, I actually thought this was the mutilator for some reason. I got them too confused and I was really oh, excited right. about it. Um, just because the, the front covers are pretty similar. They're both Vipco um, mm -hmm. vaults of horror. Um, and all, to be honest, all the Vipco front covers look the fucking same anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just kind of thought, oh, it's just another one of them kind of generic slashes. Um, there was a couple of good bits. Someone getting a pitchfork through the chest looked really cool. Um, there was a decapitated body hanging upside down that I thought looked really fucking realistic. I mm -hmm. thought that was great. Um, but apart from that, and apart from the ending, I mean, we'll get on to the ending, but fuck me, you can't make it a dream. Is that what happened or have I interpreted that No, well? no, no, that's, that's, that's what you made it. But I think it totally worked. I, I, I will tell you I will tell you why, right? You, you are right, this movie falls under the category of slasher. I don't think this movie's a slasher movie at all. I think it uses slasher tropes, but ultimately what it is, it's a monster movie. It's a monster movie. Mm. Um... The creature, this slayer in this, is the gnarliest looking fucking terrifying creature ever. 
It's icky. Its teeth are ridiculous. It, lo- it just it looks like a fucking walking piranha man. Um, and it's you know it's it's you know when when it's revealed that it's not a man that's doing this killings. It is an a- an actual beast on this island. Um, yeah. I think that's a great reveal. I think the fact that she is the main character has been plagued with these these dreams from from what's perceived as like a, a a younger age and then ending up in the place that you know in the situation confronting the thing that has haunted her dreams since she was a youngin um i think is a really cool idea there is a, a degree of that kind of almost to an extent our gentle dream logic going on here yeah. um which i think works really well i think that's it's quite clever uh, to me it elevates it i would agree with you that the first 40 minutes of this movie are painfully slow um it really really doesn't give you what you want um and i think on some level uh, it's they, they play so heavily into like kind of 80s slasher tropes that mm. you would just expect a movie like this to move quicker. I think if they'd moved... Let's put it this way. If this movie had come out five years before and removed some of those slasher tropes and played it more down the kind of the, the surreal dream logic monster killing, this movie would work a whole lot better because you would have a different audience base that were used to horror movies that took their time to get where they were going. Um, yeah. I wouldn't go for kind of cheap, kind of cheap slasher scares, which this movie does at times, which I think cheapen it slightly. Um, I think the movie would work better overall, but I thought there was a, I, th- I thought the ideas behind it were really fucking cool. Very much like I thought the ideas for uh, Nightmares on a Damaged Brain. I thought the ideas itself, the execution don't live up to those ideas, but yeah. the, to me there was a lot more, like we're going to be talking about the next movie, which I think is about as paint by numbers a slasher movie you can get. Yeah. When you look at this one, it uses elements, but at least it tries to subvert the genre slightly by playing it out. And the ending, which you are right, that ending, which is, is it a dream? Um, which I think it is as well, which is an ending which would generally annoy the fuck out of me. Um, for whatever reason, I was fine with it. I thought, okay. yeah, I thought, right, you know, she's she's had these horrible dreams most of her life, so we've just, we've just been part of one of those horrible dreams. I think they set it up enough with the fact that she keeps referring back to the dreams that she has that it doesn't feel like... See, where I don't like the wake up it was all a dream thing is when there's no indication anywhere throughout the film and that's the end of the movie. You yeah. know what I mean? At least in this one they have set up this idea that she's been plagued by these dreams all the way through. That When we get that at the end it's not a oh well fuck you sort of ending. It's like, alright, it's not the greatest ending in the world but I don't hate it. Um, and like I say, the creature designs, the practical effects, I'm with you, that, that fucking decapitated body... I kind of almost got like that kind of double take of Cannibal Holocaust, you know, the, yeah, with yeah. the spike where I was like, that actually looks like they may have decapitated the body and hung it upside down. Um, so yeah, I think there's a whole lot of this movie that really, really works. And yeah, you are right, it is plagued by pacing issues. Um, there are elements of slasher stuff in here which I don't think necessarily do anything for it at all. And the ending's a bit... It's not the strongest way to end the movie. But... There's a whole lot that works in this movie. Works really well, I actually think. So, mm, okay. <laughs> fuck you, Duncan. <laughs> no, I, think, I think maybe if I'd have seen this in the beginning, uh, you know, right when we started kind of doing this uh, this podcast, I probably might have liked it a little bit more. Yeah, but I'm getting to the point now. I'm kind of 
so I'm so <laughs> your boring. tolerance your tolerance is worn so thin now that I, I I know what you mean I know what you mean I watched like the next one we got to talk about um, I the way you're describing yourself watching the Slayer is exactly the way I felt watching the next movie. Okay. Um, I just kind of got in there. I was just like, oh, another one of these. Oh, goody. Yeah, another- <laughs> um, I mean, it's weird because I think I've kind of got to the point now where I've, like, nothing, not, I don't find films particularly scary anymore, um, mm-hmm. which is a shame. I think that's probably why Basby Horror is so, um, it's such a popular thing because people are almost sort of, sort of living vicariously through Baz. Yeah. You know, because everyone likes that everyone loves that nostalgia feeling of when there was a kid you know and there's films that scared the shit out of you and really got to you and affected you and you can you know you can always remember the first time you saw that and how it made you feel mm-hmm. and we're kind of living that through Baz because he's such a I mean he's not such a horror novice anymore but he was um, certainly in the beginning yeah you know and stuff that's creeping him out you almost think oh god that's I'm, I'm almost jealous of him I, I remember being creeped out by stuff and terrified by stuff and it was a great feeling um and I think I've almost had to put that to the side now. I think, you know, I've almost come to terms with the fact that a film isn't going to scare me anymore. Yeah. So I'm kind of really warming towards a lot of the horror comedies that are kind of coming out at the minute. Mm-hmm. I'm the same. Uh, Cooties, I thought was quite good. Um, Final Girls, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, there's a couple more that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm kind of thinking, like, because they've got the horror elements, Um but it's it's almost like a fun, you know. You you still got the gore and you still got the peril. Yeah. But it's, there's something extra that you need to kind of make that film interesting. So quirky characters and funny moments and well, you know, witty dialogue and stuff. That's almost now what's replacing scary things for me. Yeah, yeah. But so, they're, they're 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 making they're playing that movie for entertainment value. You yeah. Know, they're playing that movie to give you the nods and the 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 effects and all the stuff you want from a horror movie. They're just not playing it to scare you whereas a horror movie is playing to scare you so yeah. um, on some level you can criticise a horror movie if it doesn't scare you you know what I mean I, I sat down to watch it and it just it wasn't frightening at all and they tried all these goofy you know jump scares and all the rest and it didn't work if you sit down to watch a horror comedy and you're entertained even if you don't laugh that much if you're entertained at the end of it you will give that movie a higher grading because it entertains because it's not wanting to it's not wanting to terrify you. It's wanting no. to entertain you. And there's that's the that's the I think that's why that's my logic anyway to why I've enjoyed more horror comedies this year than I have straight up horror movies. Yeah, I am totally. Every, pretty much every film I've really liked this year has been sort of in that horror comedy sort of genre. Mm. Um yeah, and they're great. I mean I've not seen Crimson Peak yet. I don't know. <laughs> It's that's, not a horror movie. It's not. No, no, no. It's a, a kind of gothic. It's kind of like a gothic, gothic romance with a ghost story in the background. It's okay. really, it's really good. It's really good. I get a feeling you're not going to like it, but no. um, yeah, as as the marketing campaign for that movie has been pretty atrocious. Um, you know, from Master of Horror, Guillermo del Toro, yeah, the man a, behind it, pants. You know, all this stuff. Playing it totally for this idea that you're going to be scared watching it, and it's not that sort of movie. It, lo- it owes a lot more to like uh, Roger Corman, you know, The House of Usher, okay. um, than it does to uh, something like The Devil's Backbone. Okay, so maybe now I know that I probably might enjoy it a bit more going yeah. now. I know that it isn't meant to be. It's like, not a horror movie. It's not a horror okay. movie. 
Oh, that's fine then. Um, so then again, back to what I was saying. So because like a lot of these slasher films that we're watching have got neither of those things for me now. You mm. know, they're, they're, I mean, they probably wouldn't have scared me anyway because a lot of these films aren't. You know, they're just not that good. But this one possibly would have if I was. You know, when I was a bit younger, maybe I would have found it quite creepy. Um, and maybe right at the beginning of the runs of these show, I might have enjoyed this a little bit more. But. I feel I'm at the stage now where I'm just kind of tired of these of these slasher films that really don't do anything for me. Um, you know, the characters aren't that likable, the dialogue isn't that good, the acting isn't great. It really leaves you with not much else. And when they're quite tame, like this one is, and obviously because of where we are on the list, these are the ones that never got prosecuted. Yeah. Um, you've not even got the gore either you know okay there's some pretty cool practical effects and the creature effects are good and i'm never going to knock a film for practical effects because i am really sick of cgi i mean that's my only criticism of ash versus evil dead i watched last night i really enjoyed that mm-hmm. um but some of the cg was fucking shit some <laughs> of it was good i mean some of it was practical effects as well but i'm just i'm so sick of, of, of cgi effects i'm really fed up with it especially in stuff like the walking dead i thought the Walking Dead in the beginning, season one, had fucking great effects. Mm-hmm. How can if, how can something carry on and be getting a bigger budget and the effects are getting worse? I just don't get it. So because they they want to make more money off it. That's yeah. why you eventually get to a stage where that's why Frank Darabont was removed from the project after the first season because he, he gave a shit. Yeah, because he wanted to, he wanted more zombies. He wanted more zombies. He wanted more money into the actual production, and they told him no. And they right. said, well, you know. Uh, we need to do it or maybe I'll walk and they were like you don't walk you're fired (laughs) you know what I mean bye (laughs) you know what I mean see see you later Um, see I didn't mind like the CGI that you're talking about I think it comes down to context this this has always been my issue with CGI if CGI has been used to give you something which can't be shot can't be done um, and it's done in a way which it's not trying to be serious, mm. then I'm all right with it. When CGI I don't, is, they, I don't know why they can't make it look a bit more realistic, though. I don't know why it looks so ropey because uh, uh, in 2015. Because it probably could get done. Uh, your eyes, I think the thing is, it will never be perfect. Your eyes are naturally predisposed to detect things that don't look real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, there's a reason, like computer games and things like that, take years to develop. When yeah. you're working on a TV show, you just don't have that time. When you're working on a film, you just don't have that time. So a lot of them use like almost stock. Sort of this is a blood effect. This is a this effect and whatever. And they maybe tweak it and maybe technology updates a bit better. And eventually, it will become. A bit more seamless, but we're even in 2015, we're not there yet. Your eyes right. will naturally pick out something that isn't real, and there's I mean, very I, few movies that do like a CGI effect where I'm like that. I cannot tell the difference. Very few. I can, I, and you tend to find those movies are the ones that had budgets on levels that you know you can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing is for me, like it's not. I don't want it to look completely real because I appreciate it's not going to, but. Like the, the, it's not blood isn't the right color. Mm-hmm. It doesn't move and flow the way blood moves and yeah. flows. Like how odd can that be to perfect? Come on, like if they've got these, surely some all. If you say it is stock kind of software that they use, it only takes one person to get it right, and then they can just roll it out and sell it to all the other companies. So they've all got it right. Like yeah, 
blood. I'm with, I'm with you. Fucking look right. I, I, I'm with you. I'm like, with you. I just Sons of Anarchy. Oh, it really God. took me out of Sons of Anarchy. How much crap CGI blood there was. Yeah. Um, like Banshee was British fucking shit. Like when they killed the, yep. the massive Indian guy. Oh, that was ridiculous. That was yeah. crap. As uh, this as this idea of trying to see to me violence doesn't even need to be done that way. There is to me it is more harrowing to see someone up close and personal cut someone across their neck, which is an effect you can do, you know, fairly cheaply. Mm. Um, that to me is a more uncomfortable harrowing death than it is a CGI shotgun to the back of the head. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a different time now. I think they will try anything to stop them spending. You know, to keep uh, like shooting time down, um, it's easier to pay someone sitting in a, a room doing effects than it is to have a whole crew outside shooting practical effects. Yeah, I just you can think... have one one person putting in blood effects, or you need a team of special effects people working. You know, for 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 a couple of days, trying to set up a, a shot, and you can just get a guy to click a mouse twice. And it doesn't look perfect. I tell you but... what, like something like Piranha 3D, that mm-hmm. first Piranha remake, that was brilliant. That massacre scene at the end. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sure it probably had quite a budget, but it's. It, I don't. I just think there's, there's got to be people that are so passionate about doing practical effects. They've got there's got to be teams of people out there that they can get for not that much extra money, and I think for the difference it would make for the fans. I mean, maybe it's not a big deal to anyone else. Maybe it's just me who's fucking whinging about no, it. No, no, I think I think you're on the, the. I think it's it's a testament to how much we admire it when you hear people when you're asked to describe a movie. One of the one of the compliments against a movie is uh, it's all practical effects. Mm. Now, fifteen years ago that wouldn't have been an issue. So if I'd said to you, you know, oh, it's all practical effects, you would have been like, right, but how's the movie? Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, what's, you know, what's the movie like? Today, you know, if someone says, oh, you know, it's 95% practical effects, instantly you get that, the gore hound in you, it's like, oh, I need to see this movie. <laughs> you know, without hearing how the acting is, the storyline or anything, you want to check out the movie because, oh, there's practical effects. Um, yeah. So as it, we we have we've moved away from that, and there is a push to bring it back, and certain certain folks are trying to do it. One of the shorts and um, tales from Halloween, um, which has one of the most ridiculous kind of plasticine sort of characters, has a combination of CGI and real blood, like okay. like fake, well fake blood, sorry, like CGI and practical blood. Yeah, and it's funny when you see the practical blood element, it is like a fuck yeah. And then it's the next scene, it's CGI blood, and it's awful. Mm. Absolutely awful. And they've kind of juxtaposed them right beside each other in a way which is unsettling. You know, not unsettling, sorry, but unpleasing yeah. to, to, to watch. And that's just, that's the way we're going. I mean, the Slayer is, is all practical effects, um, like most of the movies at this time. And that works to its advantage and to its disadvantage as well um, because you are completely stuck with a budgetary constraint where someone you know either looks like it works or it looks awful um yeah. and the 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 creature effect in this one specifically is pretty phenomenal i think it's like one of those creatures that um and i had seen this movie before this was i i'd said that i, I remembered having seen this movie i couldn't remember much of it and when i was watching it bits came back to me I was like oh this is when this happens and that's when it happened so mm. um but yeah watching it i'd i'd i'd, I'd I thought, like I say, there's a lot that doesn't work in it. There's a lot of it that plays into the time period that came out. 
but there's a whole hell of a lot in there which just elevate a love, you know, above a lot of the other quote unquote slashers that we've watched for. For this thing, once again, this is another movie which I'm like that in the hands of a really good indie filmmaker now um, to try and remake or reprise this. Uh, I'd be interested to see what they could do with it. Uh, I yeah. think it's as as different enough that someone could do that. Um, unlike it's the next movie, because <laughs> these are the kind these are the kind of films I wouldn't mind seeing remade. I just think there's so many people out there that just uh, they can't write characters. Right, and we'll, I think we should probably talk about Bone Tomahawk in our outro. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Um, but well-written characters, characters that you give a shit about, mm-hmm. characters that you really don't want to see anything happen to and you're really gutted when something does happen to them, that is almost a fucking lost art, isn't mm-hmm. it? I oh, can't definitely. Believe how, I can't believe how seldom you see that now in a film to the point where it's a bit like when you see a practical effect you're taking aback. When you, when a character appears on screen and within ten minutes you think, oh, I really don't want you to die, that's really fucking rare as well. It really just doesn't happen very often anymore. And I think if somebody could come along, I mean, Adam Green did a really good job in Hatchet for me. Like that's a film I really enjoy. The first yeah, one, I miss him. I like the characters in it. I'm not, I wouldn't say I don't want him to die because I kind of do because I know it's a slasher film. You know, and I want to see people die in it, but. You know the, the dialogue's funny. You know it's like a real ragtag group of people that've been thrown together, and it's amusing. Like the interplay's funny, the dialogue is funny. You know it, it's and the practical effects in that are great. Can't we just have some people come along and make stuff like that? I know it's not that simple because Adam Green obviously is quite skilled in that what he does, and he's not. Uh, you know there's not people, there's not hundreds of people that can just knock out decent films like that. But that's the kind of films I want to see coming out sort of this. You know next year and the year after, I'd be happy watching stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, likable characters, funny dialogue, good death scenes. It's not that difficult. I don't want to. We don't need massive plot twists or anything. Just keep it simple. So yeah, yeah somebody remake a film like this and just do it well. You know, and that that's that's kind of all the horror, all the horror sort of community needs. I think is just some decent eighties style horror films, rather than just the shite that's being churned out that just shows you everything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like. Um, the uh, ghost dimension paranormal activity thing. I'll probably watch it just because I've watched all the others, but I can't believe the tagline is this, this is the one where you see everything. And it's like, but yeah. do you not understand that the reason paranormal activity is so creepy for most people is because it's, you don't it's, see anything. That's what it is. What so the fact that they're see. actually using that as a selling point, we're going to show you everything. Right. Well, you, so I'm, I get to see behind the curtain pretty much then because yeah, like ghosts wandering about is not scary. It's it's little things moving and doors opening on their own and people getting their hair moved with that. You know that's fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Showing me this big into fucking dimensional thing where I get to see ghosts wandering about. Like fuck, that's not. Fuck off. It's rubbish. <laughs> what are you doing? Sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll we'll come back at the end and we'll talk a bit about Bone Tomahawk, which is. Is Jocelyn right now in my top three and could very well end up being my movie of the year, actually. The more I've, I've seen it three times now, so... Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think Mad Max is my movie of the year. And I don't think oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, in the, I mean, in the, yeah, in, I mean within, within in the genre. This, in in yeah. the horror genre, there's no way I'm going to see a film between now and December that's going to be better than Tom, Bone Tom nah, it's, it's like there's, there's few. Uh, there are movies I've seen that I, you know, I think are 
on the same level of quality, but it's the story I think which which kind of pulls me. The story and the characters I think maybe give it a bit more clout. But yeah, that's that's a conversation for a different time. In yeah. terms of the Slayer, yeah, the there's nothing overly horrendously graphic in here which would merit anything like severe being done to it though. But I do like the, I think the creature effects are really good, and I think. St- it's not heavy on the gore, but some of the death sequences are pretty, pretty gnarly as well. That I, I can't in good conscience just dismiss this one. So to me, it probably is a slap on the wrists. I get the feeling that you're going to be the other way. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, there's a guy having his head smashed in with an oar. Um, there's a guy having his head crushed in an elevator shaft. Someone with the throat slashed. The pitchfork thing I talked about. You know, guy hanging from the ceiling with his head cut off. Yeah, it's a slap on the wrist because it's good effects. It, you know, it, it doesn't look shit. It looks pretty good. So, but that's all it is. Um, you know, obviously this is one of the more tame films from the list, and this is why it's on this secondary list. And you yeah. know, this is obviously why it was never prosecuted. The creature effects are great. You know, it gets it gets points for me from that just because someone's made an effort to actually make something that's pretty fucking creepy and scary. That's cool, and you know, that that's that's good for me. I just. I just didn't really enjoy the film that much, but I appreciated the, uh, you know, the, the practical effects. Cool. And uh, to me, like I say, shouldn't shouldn't have been on the list. Um, no, definitely not, no. Right, Andy, um, the roles will reverse slightly on this last one, probably. Um, I think it just depends how, how much you enjoyed it. Uh, so we're going to take another short break. Um, you're going to hear more promos for shows on Horophilia Podcasting Network Learned Folk talking about Terrorize aka Night School from 1981 Andy is going to come back and tell you why oh no he's not because you led the charge on this one I'm going to come back I get first swing at this oh no Oh no. no. This is good, it works out better that way. Oh no. Right, um, I'm going to be coming right back to tell you why I didn't really like this movie right after this. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. We don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs> But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a light? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. Do the kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horophilia Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. Terrorize? It, 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 there's a pun in that. It's quite funny. In, in, it, I mean, it's one of the wittiest things about it. Although, oddly enough, it was made as Night School, which is a completely nothing title. It got theatrical release in Britain. It was directed by... Ken Hughes, a good, solid British professional who made Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. In fact, I think the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang probably traumatised more people than the uh, um, the motorcycle helmet-wearing slasher of uh, Terrorise, which is, on one level, completely ordinary. It's a really plodding um, police movie, but it has actually a genuinely demented idea. It's this ritual murder to do with chopping people's heads off and dumping them in water. So it's the old head in a fish tank 
trick played over and over and over again. It was the film debut of Rachel Ward, who, and I'm giving it away, plays the killer. Although the very voluptuous Rachel Ward does not look at all like the flat-chested uh, biker leather character who does most of the killing. I remember being astonished. I actually remembered Rachel Ward from this film. One, because even with the terrible 80s haircut, she's astonishingly beautiful. But also, she is astonishingly dreadful in this film. And yet, within a year or two, she was in Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and The Thornbirds and Sharky's Machine. It was actually giving good performances. At some point, she either learned to act, or on this film, she deliberately just didn't do anything. Um, otherwise... There is literally nothing going on here. When darkness descends on the city, something happens to the girls who attend night school. You're not walking home alone tonight, are you? After what happened? We'll be all right. Something secret. modern man has only to take a short step to wind up in the primeval jungle of his ancestors. Something forbidding. And welcome back. So, Andy. Mm. Right. Terrorize, 1981. Yep. Directed by Ken Hughes. The guy that directed Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> yep. Right. Um, scored by the dude that did the Terminator soundtrack. Aye, if they were, yeah, if they were on the, if that was on the front cover, you know, this movie obviously predates. <laughs> but you know, if it said this, for, this guy's gonna do Terminator too. Yeah, this one. guy, this guy will score Terminator. Um, yeah, you, you need to check this movie out. Um, so yeah, an unlikely partnership, um, which you know, this uh, stars Rachel Ward. She's she's a big deal. Um, yeah. The synopsis is listed on IMD. It's directed by Ken Hughes, written by Ruth uh, Avergon. Um, the synopsis, <laughs> short, to the point, thanks IMDb. Who's been decapitating the innocent schoolgirls at a local night school? The police are baffled. Uh, I was not. <laughs> I got this pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let, let me tell you what I didn't really like about this movie. Go on. Um, it is generic to the point of, and I'm right. I'm trying to put myself into the mindset in 1981. I'm saying it's generic, but 1981 is about the height of slasherdom. Yeah. Really, this is when they were churning out loads and loads. Um, but even. Compared to the movies out in 1981, I think this one is is playing to the a, a lower audience. I don't think there's enough of anything in this movie to really elevate above a very paint by number slasher movie. Yeah. Um, the acting in this movie is actually not bad. Yeah. Um, which is about the only credit this movie gets from me is the acting is pretty good. But when you see where people like Rachel Ward went on to, she had she's had a huge career. Uh, involved with cinema, TV, writing, directing, acting. She's, you know, she went on to to, to huge things. So it doesn't surprise me that you know there the, the was talent involved with this. Um, it shot well. Ken Hughes is obviously a guy that it. I mean, this. I think this might be one of his last movies um, that he made. 
So, but he'd had a career in making movies. So, yeah. you know, you have a seasoned hand behind the camera. You have some good people out there. Just the stories, pish. The the build-up of suspense isn't very good. Um, I don't even think the effects are all that great, if I'm being honest. I think the idea and principle of someone decapitating schoolgirls is quite menacing. But then yeah. I think to myself, the same year this movie came out, uh, Pieces was being made. True. And Pieces, for all its ridiculous, over-the-top, bad acting, campy nature... When someone dies in pieces, you get fucking rivers of blood and it's gory and it's disgusting all the rest. Where is that in this movie? I don't know if it's the director is of a certain age and a certain standing that he might think it cheapens himself to make this movie. But that's what you want from a movie like this. I want to see someone's head. I want Maniac. You know what I mean? This is a year after Maniac. I'm wanting some really gritty, gnarly deaths and you don't get that in this movie and to me that's the only thing that could save it I can live with a, a slasher movie where I know who the killer is you know 25 minutes into it I can, I can live with that if the movie gives me you know the gore and the, 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 that satisfies what you want from a movie like this you want to you want to see I mean the Slayer where we're talking about pitchfork death and you know things like that things where you're like oh my god think about like the deaths and and the slasher genre, the pitchfork, as you know, has been used in the Friday the Thirteenth movies, the Prowler. You know, it's it's an iconic way to die, and they they use it in that movie, and I think it's great. There's nothing in this movie where I'm like that. This effect is amazing. You know, look at the gore. Nothing like that at all. It's just a very very tame, very safe kind of paint by numbers slasher movie which is only elevated by the fact that it's shot better than a lot of slasher movies out there the score's actually pretty good but the the guy went on to fucking do amazing things and the acting in it's pretty good as well I I, I don't really there was nothing here that even sparked up like a a bit of nostalgia for me to the point where I was like that oh you know the 80s early 80s slasher here we are again I was just like oh here we go alright I wonder if this is going to happen oh that happened alright well there we go I wonder if this happens oh right that happened I bet he's the killer right now I still think it's he's the killer he's the killer that's the killer that's definitely the killer oh there's the killer yeah I was right all along yeah just frustrating 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 and it could just a couple of tweaks I think elevate this movie um yeah it's a dis- disappointing disappointing actually um, me, right it all just comes down to a matter of expectations in this right and I wasn't expecting it to be anything particularly gory or over the top and I think like it, it kind of sets the scene for what you're up to for what you're in for kind of thing in the first 10 minutes. Uh-huh. So I think that's why I wasn't disappointed by this movie. I just thought, oh, this is all right, this, this is well, just watchable. Almost in the same way, like sometimes you'd just sit and watch an episode of Columbo. Yeah. Just because like, you know, it's going to be kind of run of the mill, but you know, the acting's not bad. You know, like it's, it's generic, you know, there's going to be a kill in another 15 minutes or not, not in Columbo's case, but you know, like you, you just know it's going to be solved at the end. I don't know. I just, it's a weird one because it's not a particularly great film, but it is the one that is my favourite of the three that we watched. And yeah. the the killings aren't particularly great. They're very samey. Kill you know the the killer uses the same weapon and the same you know modus operandi in every single kill. So it, it never gets particularly exciting. And 
It is pretty obvious. I mean, you, you kind of it gets whittled down to two people who it could possibly be. It's pretty obvious, um, <laughs> and the person that they kind of you're led to believe it is. It's too obvious that it's him, so it can only be the second person, you know. And that's kind of who it does turn out to be. Um, the only thing that kind of let it down, and like I say, it's not a brilliant movie, but it was a kind of it was a coherent for me, watchable, well shot kind of you know, well acted kind of movie was just her reaction when she finally gets caught mm-hmm. was just a bit fucking shit. It's like, hang on a minute, like, what, what's happened to you? Or what kind of character development have we had for you to lead me to believe that you're capable of doing that? Exactly. And thinking that it's absolutely fine to do that. Because I think that's probably what I was waiting for at the end, was this thing where... There's a you know like you, you're totally on board with why she was doing it and yeah she's obviously a fucking bunny boiler this girl the woman that ends up being the killer and she's obviously not right in the head because she knows that her fella's going off shagging other women and pretty much as soon as she finds out that he's been shagging someone else she goes let's get married and you think, really yeah so you know she's kind of unhinged but it's just the really nonchalant way she's just going oh yeah people have been like chopping people's heads off and putting it in water for thousands of years it's a really normal thing to do anything that isn't a normal thing to do and you're like an anthropology student so you know that that's not a normal thing to do except in this culture that you've been reading about you know it's not normal to go around cutting people's heads off and that was the bit that kind of totally let it down for me then it was just her I think that was just acted really badly that she just kind of went, yeah, yeah, I've been cutting people's heads off. And, and, and if you shag someone else, I'm going to cut their head off as well. Yeah, I think... So you're not, I thought you're not capable of that. Exactly, yeah. I th- but I think on some level, I just think it's because the writing's pretty bad as well. I know what you're yeah. saying, the delivery isn't all that great, but you think about it, you're talking, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head that you don't believe this character is capable of this. That's it. Um, you're close in something, you know, or... Even um, uh, Sharon Stone's character in Basic Instinct, even though she doesn't turn out to be the the killer, does she? I don't think she does. Mm -hmm. You believe that she's capable of it. You believe that Glenn Close is capable of these psychotic things. Yeah. But it's such... uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense that this... And there's, yeah, there's no exposition. Like This movie almost feels like it needs like some sort of exposition back somewhere. Mm. To to almost set up, and I I usually hate this in in slasher movies. Uh, to, yeah, I, I did need it here. This sort some sort of thing to justify why she's doing what she's doing. It needs it needs that. It needs the, or like a conversation somewhere in the movie where it's hinted on that you know something has happened to like twist her opinions of like her father you know cheating on her mum or something like that and how she was brought up in a thing you know something you know just something to give this idea of there's a baseline for this level of psychosis and it doesn't and that's why the impact of the reveal doesn't really work because you're like oh right well you were the one that i thought was had done it but now if this is the reason you're doing it i'd really that's, it's that's, weird, isn't it? Because even though you kind of know that she's the one that turns out to be the killer, mm-hmm. when she when she is revealed as the killer, you just go no. She yeah. is not. <laughs> you know, like in the film The Hitcher, yes, the original when they arrest the kid mm-hmm. and they speak to him for ten minutes in the police station, and then the guy goes, "That kid's not a killer." Yeah, that kid has not killed anyone. 
that's what you'd think when you spoke to her for 10 minutes you'd go she's not she's not decapitated five women fuck yeah. off yeah. like she just hasn't there's nothing that you know there's no underlying psychosis nothing a bit creepy behind the eyes yeah there's no trigger there at all there's nothing in the way her body language speaks the way she talks the there's there's yeah she's, she's not even cold in her delivery about how she did it is just kind of nonchalantly that's the thing, you know, if it was a bit cold and a bit matter of fact, but it's almost like she, it's it's weird, like you have to kind of, it's hard to, to really explain it, but if you've seen the film, you'll know exactly what we're talking about, it's just not, it just doesn't sit right, and and almost in a way, like, you know, sometimes when you watch a twist and you go, oh my god, yeah, like yeah. it was her, fuck, you just go, no, <laughs> it's, no, it should have been him. It's too obvious that it's him because he's the one that studied all this anthropology where the, the MO of the killer is the same as all the things that he studies in the tribes people from Papua New Guinea and all that. Yeah. So it'd be too obvious. But it would have been a lot more satisfying if it was him. Yeah. It made sense that it was him. Yeah. Because he studied these tribes and he's been among them and, you know, he's this older professor who's, a, you know, he's, he's just more capable. And it doesn't sound sexist to say that a woman wouldn't be capable of that because a woman would be capable of that. It's just this particular woman... Isn't not be capable yeah. of that. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't marry up. It doesn't no. marry up at all. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a weird one. Like I say, I just didn't. I just didn't do. I, I like. I finished it, and I just thought, well, that's another one off the list. Yeah, I mean, it's not a film I'll ever watch again. But I didn't mind watching it while I was watching it. I yeah. wasn't like bored. I thought oh, this is alright. You know, this is okay actually, because the, the whole thing of like. <laughs> I think if the killer had a mask on, it would have been more creepy because somebody in a, in, a, in a motorcycle helmet, I don't know, it's just a bit kids TV, that sort of thing. I don't know. It's just something not, not, not creepy enough about it. But the fact that like, they were putting the head, I mean, like, when, they keep, when they find the heads, it's pretty creepy. Like one, like one of the women finds a head in her toilet. And like, if you see matted hair, like, see, you know, like poking between the toilet lid and hanging down the toilet bowl, you know, there's a fucking head in there. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty creepy. That that was quite good. Um, there was a really long sequence with Stu. Oh, yeah. Which went on for ages. Yeah. Like, far too long. I was like, I actually thought at one point what this needs is a good editor sitting there saying, why are we. Because there's no suspense. We know the head's going to be in the stew pot or in the fridge. Yeah. So you so, don't really need to drag that out because it, everyone's way ahead of you there. We know we know what's happening. Yeah. Don't even really need to see it because by this point we know that head's We know, yeah. Water, so. <laughs> You're not going to surprise us. It's not going to be like a foot. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a foot or something. That would have been better. He <laughs> changed his MO. Uh, uh, right. Um, what's your what's your grade for Terror Eyes? Um, I think I've got to give it a case dismissed because even though they're chopping people's heads off, you don't really see it. It's all off screen. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. There's not. It doesn't have that kind of commitment to a bit more of a violence in it that the previous movie has to even elevate that little bit. Up. Yeah, you've got mild peril. Yeah, you get yeah. mild peril in The Lion King. <laughs> So, <laughs> Lion King, you're doing community service, Mufasa. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and um, I, I, well, this is academic in terms of the list. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's on here. This this could have got away with being on the telly on Channel Five on, in the middle of the afternoon, really. Yeah, minus seeing the actual severed heads. If they had got rid of about twenty seconds of severed head footage, nothing else really in this. Yeah. 
Uh, I think I think you're pretty much spot on there, my friend. Um, oh. Yeah. So that's another three down. I think we take a short break, Andy. When we come back, we discuss a little bit Bone Tomahawk, and then we uh, tell people what's coming up on our uh, penultimate episode. Yeah. Of of uh, well, doing the nasty in terms of reviews, we're doing one more episode. We're going to do a special, aren't yeah, we? A yeah, big yeah. recap. Yeah, but um, our penultimate in terms of reviews, uh, myself and Andy will be coming right back right after this. The Nanolaser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Bananalaser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananalaser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, Is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. no. <laughs> Banana Laser wins every time. And welcome back. So, yeah, like Duncan said, that's uh, three movies down, six to go. So we are getting pretty close to the end now. Um, there's just one thing actually that I forgot to mention at the end of that movie that really cracked me up. World's worst practical joke in the back <laughs> of it, in the back of a cab or you know back of his car. Like if your if your mate, right, if if your friend was in, it was a policeman and he was investigating somebody like clad in biker leather leather gear, mm-hmm. and a black cycle helmet was going around murdering people. Mm-hmm. Don't wait till he gets in his car in the, late at night. And then creep up on him dressed in the killer's outfit, and then go joking. That's not funny. Do you know what I mean? That's that kind of prank will get you killed, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I make you friendless. Yeah, you ain't gonna have many friends either doing that. <laughs> um, so right, what have we got coming up then for the last few movies? We've got the Toolbox Murders. Oh yes, infamous. Which is being remade. Uh, this is obviously the original from 1978. Um, we've got one called Unhinged that I, I don't think I've seen from um, I know, I know the poster. I know that the un and unhinged lies like it kind of goes off a cliff, so it looks like a hinge. Okay, um, but I don't. I, I, it's ringing a bell, but I couldn't say with any degree of certainty that it's a movie that I've seen before. Okay, and then uh, Visiting Hours from 1982, which I think has got Michael Ironside. Yeah, in. I love Visiting Hours. It's got William Shatner as well. Has it? Oh yeah, God, the shit. <laughs> acting his little heart out I'm it's, sure it's a weird little it's a weird quirky Canadian slasher movie it's, okay. I'd, I've got a lot of time for that one that's another one hospital that, by any chance it is indeed yeah. um, it's one that um, Scream Factory have actually put out on Blu-ray 
Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've not seen it in a long time, but uh, I'm looking very much forward to checking that one out because okay. I have fond memories of that movie. Okay, wicked. Um, speaking of Michael Ironside, watched Turbo Kid the other day. What did you think? I thought that was great, yeah. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It's like yeah. Mad Max on BMX. Brilliant gore. Oh, the gore is amazing. Yeah, and I think that's probably one that is quite a lot of CGI, but we've done very, very well. Yeah, but this is what I mean. It just depends how you use it. Yeah. You know what I mean? As the, there's a lot of practical effects in that movie as, as well. well. Yeah, yeah. I think it almost they, they've used it in such a level that it's almost the kind of cannibal holocaust syndrome you know where if you use enough fake things along with real things that yeah. your your mind sometimes they don't use it in a way which i was like that's obviously fake but you know your eye knows it's fake but it's not obviously fake no but that's great i think i'll buy turbo kid on blu-ray i liked it yeah i've got i picked it up when it came out um okay. yeah it's, it's pretty fucking cool yeah um so yeah that, that's another one of the ones i forgot to mention earlier the kind of comedy sort of horrors i mean they're not this is comedy. It's quirky. Um, it's not out and out laughs, but there are some very, you know, there are some bits that really, really raise the smile yeah. quite a few times throughout this. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not entirely horror either. It's, it's no. more. Uh, it falls into that weird kind of that genre of something like hobo with a shotgun. Yeah, or... almost like a grindhouse kind of. But it's really good. Like the main, the main kid is really likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the the female lead in there as well that he kind of teams up with. She's great. Very fucking quirky. Like I won't say anything about that because I don't want to give too much away about the film. I think it just needs to be watched. But if you like, you like kind of that apocalyptic, it's got a real eighties feel. Everyone's on BMXs, oh, yeah. which kind of makes sense to me because I think the best mode of transport in a post-apocalyptic world probably would be a bicycle. Of course, it no, would be. Yeah, there's no petrol, um, so. Yeah, it sounds a bit like it does sound a bit shit that it's almost like Mad Max on BMXs, but when you watch it, it totally works. It really fits in with the whole world. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend Turbo It's the fact it, that it feels like I've seen so many things and set in a post apocalyptic world. It doesn't feel like a world that's lived in. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel like a post apocalyptic world. It just feels like someone's had a couple of ideas for different places and that's how they're setting up. Yeah. Everything in this movie felt like this is how people are living. Yeah. And it's that small attention to detail that it had, a, it had a little bit of a zombie land vibe to it for me as well. Yep, you've got like the lone survivor who's got his own little set of rules and he's a bit of a nomad, and then he teams up with someone else who he doesn't really want to team up with, but he has to, and then they end up like getting together, and it's pretty cool. I liked yeah. it. Um, to Bone Tomahawk, then. Oh, oh my god! Right, so this movie kind of came out of nowhere for me. Um, obviously, there had been pictures flying around for months now of Kurt Russell's uh, upcoming appearance in the new Tarantino movie, The Hateful Eight. Um, And then a couple of months ago, there had been rumblings that he starred in a cannibal movie. I literally never heard of this until about (laughs) a week ago. Right, so there have been rumblings for a wee while, but I just assumed from what I heard that it wasn't going to be something we were going to see this year. Like it was going to be something that was going to be out maybe next year, maybe towards the end of next year or something. But basically, um, a cannibal movie set in the Wild West with Kurt Russell being the sheriff. And that is all I knew about it. Um, and then it played, I think Jason Lloyd saw it. Uh, Jason Lloyd from Horophilia had saw it. And um, he had said that he really liked it. And I was like, all right, Jason likes it, right? So, And me and Jason sometimes are right there with things, other things we kind of separate on. Um, but... He was like that, Kurt Russell's amazing. And I was like, well, that's a given. 
I, I know of very few movies I've ever seen with Kurt Russell in it where I don't like Kurt Russell. Uh, I, he's fucking uh, he's up there for me, one uh, of the best. He's, he's just great. a great fucking actor. And obviously the, the idea of him being in a Western movie, well, he has been filming a Western movie with Tarantino with the same kind of massive bushy moustache look that he has, uh, kind of sucker tombstone. Um, it's the best facial hair since Tombstone and the best head hair since The Thing. There you go. That should be on the fucking... Put that in the poster. Andy Blockley yeah. doing the nasty. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so I watched it like a couple of weeks ago um, and I've watched it twice since and I'll probably watch it again tonight. Um, it is the most 70s feeling horror movie that I can think of in recent times in terms of how the story is set up. It is a true slow burn. Um, but instead of doing the kind of modern thing with slow burns, very few directors can handle a slow burn, right? Um, a slow burn should be there to set up your story, set up anticipation and set up your characters. Um, and Bone Tomahawk does it probably better than any movie I've seen in a while. We yeah. get we get put in with a group of... Basically, I'm not going to go into too much spoilers here because I, I encourage everyone to check out this movie. And when it comes out in Blu-ray, it's a first day fucking own for me. Me too, um, I'm pre-ordering the shit out of it. You can't pre-order it yet, can you? But when you no. can... It's getting it's getting done definitely. I, I have to own this movie. Um, I have to hear like the behind the scenes. I have to hear Kurt Russell talk about it. Um, basically... Kurt Russell, sheriff of a small town, um, and there's some great cameos in this one. Sid Haig, David Arquette. Um, yeah, it no, stars. I mean, the cast itself is pretty good. You've fucking got the girl, phenomenal. The, the Amish girl from Banshee, who's yep. pretty good. Uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Yeah, uh, Matthew Fox. Lost. Yeah, Matthew Fox makes an appearance in it. Um, so basically, uh, after a flashback sequence, at, well, sorry, a flash forward sequence at the beginning of the movie, which I won't talk about because, once again, don't want to spoil anything. We have um, David Arquette's character appears in town. Uh, the sheriff, played by Kurt Russell, his deputy, or assistant deputy, or temporary deputy, basically tells him, there's a dude here, don't like the look of him. Kurt Russell goes in, apparently does this to everyone that he doesn't like. He shoots a guy in the leg when he doesn't behave. Um, They get the local doctor, who is Patrick Wilson's wife, to go, and he's crippled. He's had an accident. She goes to check up on him, the guy, to fix his wounds. The next day they find out that the town has been raided in some capacity, and the deputy is gone. Uh, The the, the wife of... uh, Patrick Wilson is gone, and uh, David Arquette's character is gone as well. The vault, the vault, kind of, the vault, kind of vanished. Um, and they bring in there's there's certain tracks and all the rest. They bring in the local Native population, Native American Indians, who come in, who basically warn them that there is an extreme sect of na- uh, of na- Native American uh, Indians who are cannibals. Uh, who live like animals? Basically, like they they can't they don't speak. They're just yeah. cave dwelling savages, aren't they? Yeah, and yeah, and that's who's got them. So, and classic classic wild wild west uh, sort of scenarios. We get 
Get yourself a posse together. Yeah, you get a posse and they go out. And the posse is made up of Kurt Russell, his assistant acting deputy guy, who's this old kind of quirky guy, uh, Matthew Fox, who is... We don't know what he does for a living, but he is, a, you know, an incredible... Like an aristocratic fucking badass. Yeah, he's just, he's just... He's murdered Indians all over the place, and I won't explain why he's done that, but he's a, he's a bit of a badass. And uh, Patrick Wilson's character, who's heavily crippled, all head out in the desert. Uh, I think they're about a five-day trip away from getting to the, the, the camp of the cannibals, and that is it. It has some of the best storytelling some of the best acting some of the greatest characters and when this movie steps into gear amazing fucking gore like really just fucking jaw-dropping makes you look away almost it was incredible it was absolutely incredible and there's not lots of it no it's very little it's fucking amazing when you do see it holy shit um yeah it's it is one, basically one scene pisses all over everything you see in Green Inferno. Yeah, yeah, there not you go. That that's much of a comparison <laughs> because I'm never, I'm not comparing this to Green Inferno in any way other than the fact that it's got it's cannibals. cannibals but, but yeah, when when the gore does unleash, fuck me, it's oh, oh, it's, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. As a phenomenal movie, as an absolutely phenomenal movie, and. Um, yeah, uh, seriously, guys, if you're out there, if you've not checked out Bone Tomahawk, please do. If it does not end up in top five lists at the end of this year within the genre, then I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a a, a lecturing fucking tour. It's of, the best film I've seen this year in, in the genre, and yeah. I don't. There's no way between now and the end of December I'm going to see anything better. I, I hope, hopefully, I will, but I just don't think I am. It's just yeah, it just floored me. It absolutely floored me. Um, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting it at all. And uh, like I say, I went back to it a couple of times. We'll go back to it again before the year is out. I think yeah. Kurt it's Russell the- is. Kurt Russell just oh. doing what Kurt Russell does best. Like he, he he's pretty much Wyatt Earp from Tombstone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's that it's that way though that you think to yourself, is there anything like I've seen Kurt Russell in rom coms, I've seen him in action movies. Nothing he can't do. Yeah, yeah. you know in Western movies. You know, is there any? Could you just put Kurt Russell in anything and he would just be amazing? I think he would be. He's of that school of actors that when they show up, they do their job. And there are so many actors now, especially within the genre, that show up for a paycheck. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just show up for a paycheck. You get the feeling that Kurt Russell was completely... I, I imagine this script getting pitched to him and him just saying like that, let's do it. I just I, just the the perfect role for him. Oh, it's fucking... He doesn't do many movies now, but when he does movies, they're fucking amazing. <laughs> well, that's what's great, isn't it? He handpicks them. A bit like yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, you know. He, when yeah. he does a movie, it's going to be a fucking good performance that he's going to uh, put in. I was so, so, so good. So but good. It's, it's like the, the dialogue between the characters is fucking great. Just the way Kurt Russell addresses people and the way he speaks to people. Like, like the interplay between him and Chicory, his yeah. deputy. Like the, the poor deputy, he's, a, he's like this really loyal old man who's really pretty thick to be honest <laughs> i mean like you know that's the most polite way you can say he's just a bit of an idiot like and there's little scenes that come out where they're having a chat about a flea circus and now he's convinced the flea circus was real even though he knows other flea circuses are fake this one's definitely real yeah and you just think yeah you're not really very smart but you're fucking loyal and you're a good man and you can see why he's kind of you know the acting deputy in this town that's obviously got a few problems but 
I mean, that, and that for me is the best bit of when they all kind of set off on this mission, mm-hmm. you know, this rescue mission. You kind of think, well, Kurt Russell's a fucking badass. The, uh, the aristocrat guy probably is. But the other two is basically one's, a, one's crippled at the minute and the other guy's just like he's a little, kind of little old man and you just think, fucking hell. Like, and they're going up against, as far as what they're concerned, is an entire tribe of these savages. And almost from the start, you just think, God, this isn't going to end well. This, you know, but and you, but you really want it to because they're so likable, and and the and because it does take a good hour almost to get through to to the action, but that hour doesn't drag because the character development between the characters and the conversations that they have and the little tidbits of their backstory and everything, it's just it's just fucking great, man. Like, honestly, can't say enough about it. Yeah. It's so good, and I'll be buying it on Blu-ray. So yeah, you just got to recommend that everybody watches this movie, and don't expect a massive action cannibal fest. Just expect an almost kind of Tarantino level of, of dialogue and, and watchability in this movie. Yeah, it does. Like I, I, the way I can describe it is, if you grew up, if you grew up enjoying, or you do enjoy the pacing of seventies horror movies. Yeah, this movie emulates it perfectly. It gives yeah. you exactly what you want. It's fucking absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. So now we've done deep throating um, that movie at the end <laughs> of the show. Uh, yeah, uh, we only have two shows of reviews left coming up, yeah. um, and then, like we said, that'll probably take us through. That'll be the end, kind of towards the end of November. Um, the the reviewing shows will finish for doing the nasty, and then we will return for one show early December which will close up everything where we will open up um, the Facebooks for questions we're going to have a question and answer section so you can ask us um, specific things about some of the movies we've seen etc. We'll also go to go through our top 5 movies from from the list, the full list um, and our top 5 worst movies from the list Uh, we'll compare them each and then we'll talk about a couple of modern movies that we think would you know would be stand out on a list if the list you know if these movies had come out back then or if the list was introduced today yeah uh, which which should be a lot of fun as well um out with that andy anything else you want to say before we mosey out here no no that's about me done for today yes thank you very much for checking us out we'll be back in two weeks time um andy would you like to say goodbye to the listeners please bye bye They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.